we all like good stories, don't we? The, the, the ones that just evoke our emotions, that, that stir our soul, that, that pull out some of, the, some of those heartstrings, uh, but, but take us on a journey that we can find our place because we can see ourselves in that story. Maybe it's a movie series or a favorite good book series. Well, what are some of your favorite just stories? So, so if you're interacting online, drop it in the chat. Let, I want to hear some of that. So in the crowd right now, what, what, are, some of the, what are some of your favorite stories or, or movie series? It's all right. You can, you can say, say one out loud. Princess Bride, okay. So Hannah, Hannah loves the story of the Princess Bride. What, what are some other just good movies, just good stories, good series? Never-ending story. Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I personally, I have just an affinity for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's not just one story, but all the stories and how they, I mean, yesterday I was sitting down with Xavier. We had watched the Black Panther with the passing of, of Chadwick Boseman, how sad that was. And so I was, I was having him watch that and I was like, listen, Xavier, this, this fits in this story and this way. And here's the three movies or four movies or seven movies that really come before it. Here are the four movies that come out. And we were talking the whole big story arc and he was asking questions. And I remember reading when I was a kid, I, I started, he, Xavier started school this last week, so I was talking about some of the books that I love to read when I was little, and so for me, it was a series of unfortunate events. I loved that series, reading those books, and so maybe you've got a favorite book series. Maybe you've got a favorite movie series that you're like, I can see myself in that story, or there's a character that I'm drawn to because their story is like mine. And what's so amazing about stories is they always have a hero and a villain and a conflict. And there's some sort of issue or that, that needs to be solved. And throughout the movie, whether one movie or a series of movies or one book or a series of books, the story takes you on a journey to discover what the solution to that problem or that challenge is. And what's so interesting is as you get to the story, you know that not everything's always cut and dry. Not everything is as simple as, as we would want it to be. Because we know our life, we're trying to f live our life, and there, there are things that just don't always fit together neat and clean like a puzzle. And so we're trying to figure that out. Especially it's difficult when like the villain's got this really compelling backstory. And you're like, I'm not supposed to like him, but I like him. Because maybe I see myself in them, or you, you, you like, you, maybe even you, I, I'm thinking of the dark night here, where it's like, it's like you want the world to be a better place, but the means by which they use it to make, to be a better place just doesn't quite work out. But we get enthralled with stories. Do you know, here's for the nerds in the room who like random facts, do you know that $490 billion each year are spent watching movies and being entertained watching stories? The average American spends five hours and four minutes a day watching TV. And that number increases when you have a streaming service. So that includes YouTube and Netflix and Hulu. So the kind of money and time into that we put into being entertained by stories, either that we can relate to or that we can escape from, because that's also why we like a good story, because as we take shape and take stock of our own life, 
we feel sometimes out of control and we don't know how it all fits together. So we go to a story because we're like, I can at least see how those pieces and parts fit together. See, we've been wired by our creator to be drawn into stories in a real way. We need them. Think about it. Before there was movies, it was plays, it was sitting around the campfire, it was around dinner tables, cave walls. We were created in a story and for a story. The challenge comes with our consumption of these stories is that these stories shape us. They disciple us. They want to influence us. They give us a worldview and a way of seeing the world around us. And if we're not aware of the stories that are being told in our culture, that are being sold th- told through, through these movies and books that we are listening to and watching, we will begin to be shaped in a way through a narrative that is never fully pointing us to God. They'll say, create your identity. Discover your identity. Fall on relationships that lead you away from God. And when those stories, when, when the, the, the stories that say you can be whoever you want to be, who, who you are is deep within inside you, you can be your own savior. When we try to go after those stories, we see brokenness and we see chaos. And when that's the dominant story in our lives, we begin to see and find identity in places that ultimately crush us. See, when you live under a false story or a false narrative that's not in tune with the way God wants us to live, it's like trying to live life by continuously picking up rocks. And in order to live by that narrative, in order to live by that story, you have to keep picking up the rocks because you've got to keep playing that game. You've got to keep doing what you need to do to advance in that story. And eventually, the rocks that you pick up to live by a self-created identity will eventually crush you. In the world right now, real people, your neighbor, your coworkers, are being crushed by false narratives that share how you can be your own savior. Let me offer you right here, right now, an opportunity to stop being crushed by the boulders. To stop being run over by trying to push a boulder uphill and it just keep coming back on you. The self-created identity that you are trying to actualize within the world can never be achieved because there's a Savior that loves you and wants that identity to be received. He loves you. God sent His Son to walk into the world. To show us what it's like to be human. And show us how we can have freedom. How we can have life. How we can be in connection with God. And begin to see the world change. Because of Jesus. You don't have to be crushed. You don't have to be run over. And right now if you're in this room and you feel like you're just being crushed. Let me invite you to just put that rock down. The boulders that are in your pockets, the rocks that are in your pockets that are weighing you down. You set them down by saying, I can't earn it. I can't achieve it. I can only say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that is the way that I am going to live. And so we're drinking in false narratives with every movie and idea that says that's not the way. That's not the truth. 
And every time we, we stumble, it's because we're, we're buying into a lesser narrative. And when we act on and adopt these lesser narratives, we are led into sin. And so sin, again, sometimes that's a word that we use around the church without defining it. So let me define that for us this morning. Sin is defining right and wrong according to our perspective instead of God's. See, ultimately, each one of these narratives entices us to believe the lie that we are at the center of the story. See, when you put yourself at the center of your story, you are always going to live in the world through your own ways and through your own means and not surrender to God. And you're led out of sin and into freedom when you put God's will and God's way first. When you put him at the center of the story. And for the Christians in this room, you're not immune to the pervasiveness of these lies that say we should be at the center of the story. See, when we reflect on our life, we can often see God as one of the characters in our story. We look for him when we need him and expect him to be grateful when we serve him. See, God can be often be a lovely piece of our story, but it's still our story. And when we say we want to live because of Jesus, it means that it ceases to be our story and it's, it becomes God's story lived through us. See, sometimes we just think that, yes, God can be a lovely piece of our story and he's kind of that, that Robin to our Batman. He's the support role, but in a lot of different ways, we actually are the support role in his larger story. It's not our story. It's God's story as creator and rescuer. See, God's story as told in the Bible is the only true story because it's the one story by which we discover our true identity and purpose. And if you're jostled or challenged by God's story being the true story, then I'd have you consider that you've bought into a false narrative. So as we are jostled around in our world between false narratives that want to lead us in a different direction and saying, God's story is the one true story. We have to know God's story really, really well so that we can identify when the false stories are trying to lead us astray. So we have to know how God's story intersects our stories and begins to change us. And we see that in, in the story of Paul. Now, Paul, if you're unfamiliar with his story, he was a murderer. He was a killer of Christians. He says, this is, he, he, he in the scripture in Acts, wanted God's will and God's way to be done Paul's will and Paul's way. But Paul eventually says yes and begins to follow Jesus. And he starts this church in this ancient city of Ephesus. And while in prison, he writes back to the church as he awaits trial in Rome for sharing the story of Jesus and its implications. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And if you don't, we're going to have the words on the screen behind us or behind me, says this as he writes to this church about their story, about their true identity. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We all too all previously lived among them and our fleshly desires carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts and we were by nature children under the wrath, as the others were also. But God, 
who is rich in mercy because of this great love that he has for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him and the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith and it is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not from works so that no one can boast. For we, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Say this with me. Story over sin. Okay, let's try that again real quick. Story over sin. This is one of our values at Generations Church, and it's based on passages like this. See, we all have a story. We were created for story and by story. But for the Christians in this room, we have this story in common. At one time, we were dead in our trespasses. And I don't know about you, but I can still remember the first time I was made alive. It was in the second row of a youth conference when God took me from death to life. It's the place where my self-created identity failed. And God said, mine, you are not who you were. You are not by your mistakes. You're not defined by your failures. You're not defined by what other people say you are or even what you say you are. Because you know that self-talk. You know the whispers that get in your head that say you're less than. That say you're a failure. That say you're not worthy. And God says, no, you are loved. You are mine. And he proved it to us in Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, while you were still dead in your trespasses and says, stepped into your story and says, you are loved. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. I remember that. Because every time, every day that I have to come back before a holy and loving God and allow my story to be shaped by his story so that I can encounter the God-given story where the sin in my life does become exposed. The ugliness of my life becomes exposed. But it's exposed not to shame or condemn not to, to put me down, but to lift me up because it says we will be seated in the heavens. We will receive riches through Christ Jesus. See, when your sinfulness is exposed, it's not exposed to shame you, to guilt you, to say that you should be cast aside. It said, no, bring that to light because you will receive healing. You will receive oneness with God. You will receive the forgiveness that only he can offer. See, when we live in our death and our trespasses and sins and the consequences of our destructive actions, it explains what's wrong with the world. It explains why we see chaos and confusion and brokenness. And when we choose to live out of our self-created identity and choose, choose sin over and over and over again, we contribute to it. And in the midst of that reality, God sends his son because he is love. And he loves us. He loves you. And this is why we can respond with joy. It's why we can come together. I, I, got, this, I got this bag over here, a little suitcase, because we all know we got some baggage, right? 
We all we know we bring in some baggage with some different in our different relationships. We've got things that when we're trying to be friends, whether it's a romantic relationship, even things that we come into the church, we all come in with different baggage. And what God says is, I'm not looking to put together a team of super people who have no baggage. He's saying, I know you've got some baggage, and you weren't saved because of your parents' religiosity. You weren't saved because God looked at your unique skill set and said, I could use some of that on my team. God God looked at you, and he didn't save you because you used to get high, and now you don't. You were saved because God is gracious and is kind, and in his mercy, he saved you. Praise be to God for that, that he sees our baggage and says, come on, let's go. You can put it down because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And guess what? The cool thing is he used some of the things that are in our baggage that's in our bags, and he uses it for good works. And now what Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says, you see the whole story there. You see, we were dead in trespasses, but God enters into the story. But it doesn't stop just with your rescue. He's already created good works for you to walk into. And he says, I know you're going to still have some baggage that you're going to take along with you. But guess what? This baggage can be used for redemptive purposes, which means God never wastes a hurt or a pain in your life. Now, I'll be the first to admit, there is some senseless sin and destruction and chaos in our world. But the beautiful thing is, is God enters into every and any story and says, I will be with you in the midst of story. And again, he proved that to us in Jesus when he stepped out of the riches and the comfort of heaven and walked in this earth for us to show us what it's like to be human, then laid down his life on the cross and was raised three days later through the power of the Spirit. And that same Spirit is in you for everyone who says, I am trusting and following Jesus. You don't have to live with no power or feel powerless. You have the power of the Holy Spirit with inside of you when you say yes to God's story because God's story overcomes our sin. God's love overcame our sin. And so we can come together because as we try to follow Jesus together, we know that we've all got different baggage that we look different, we, we, we are different politically, socioeconomically, racially, but we can come together and say we have this one story in common. There is a God who is rich in mercy and saved us together, and we received that by grace through faith. It's a gift. It's a gift. And so our story as we live this, it compels us to be generous when the world says, get your own. It challenges us to surrender to God's leading. When the world says, live your life your way, the way you want to live it. That's why, that's why we have a value that says spirit over self. That's why we, we talk about progress over perfection. That's why we talk about send over stay. Because God's power in your life, where you live, work, and play, points to the bigger story. And so we must continue to reorient our lives around how a loving God pursues people. And if you were to only come to these gatherings and have an, an hour weekly to reorient you around this grand narrative, 
what's going to happen is you're going to feel the pressure of the lesser narratives creep in. And you're going to start to live the world's way rather than God's way. Because remember, if you only do this for an hour a week, and you're consuming five hours a day, let's be honest, which story do you think is going to win? We've got to, we've got to, we must continue to put God's story, who he says we are, into our lives each and every day. We do it here. That's why we sing. We take communion. We have the preaching of the word. We have a giving time together. However, it can't stop just when we gather. It has to be evident when we scatter. We have to be so caught up in God's story that we choose story over sin. God, that I am who you say I am. That you are who you say you are. That when I encounter others, they are who you say they are. Because, see, when we apply story over sin to our actions, it forces us to change how we relate to others. See, oftentimes it's easy to sort out the sin. To say, see, I, I can see where they messed up. They went they wrong. See, I wouldn't have chosen to do that. I've, I would have done it this way. We, it's easy to point out where others have missed the mark. And we know they missed the mark. Ephesians 2 said it. We're all in dead and trespasses and sin. So let's not pretend like we're perfect or that other people don't miss the mark. We, we already know that. We already know that all people at some point in their life will choose self over spirit. But when we choose story over sin, it changes how you see other people. You begin to see real people who have a story. Now, I, I have this bag up here for another illustration. Because if you're a cheapskate like me, you like to take two weeks worth of clothes and clothes and try to fit it into a single carry-on. You like to take everything you need and see if I can pack it into this little bag. I ain't going to pay for no check luggage. I'm going to fit it all in here, and I'm going to make it fit. But never mistake a tightly packed bag for everything in the bag. Never mistake a tightly packed bag for everything in the bag. What's in the bag is important. We all have a story. We all have baggage that we carry. And we, we all have something that others see. But you can't always see what's inside. And too often we like to, to point out the sin of others, the mistake of others. But let's not mistake what we can see for what's actually going on internally. And so what we have to do is allow others to open up their bag to us. The way in which we do that is we share what's in our bag. We share when we were dead in trespasses and sins. We share when we were messed up. We share how we went from death to life. Because as we share that story, other people will begin to lay their bags out and say, let me show you some of my ugliness. Let me show you some of my dirty laundry. Because the opposite's true. If we don't allow people to share their story by us for sharing our story, how rude would it be if I'm in the middle of the TSA line, and they're like, oh, let's see what you got in there, and start opening the bag, and all of a sudden they pull out my drawers, and, you know, my pants, and my shoes, and the toothbrush, and be like, I'd be like, that's rude. Why would you do that? But see, because Jesus loves us, and meets us where we're at, right where he finds us. 
He says, I know you've got the bag. Let me show you what I've done for you. And just as Jesus moves towards us, we want to be able to move towards others. Because people aren't just going to open up the bag and show you their delicates, their dirty laundry. It would be rude to do that. But sometimes we do that. And that causes sin and destruction and actually points people away from God's story. So how we point people to God's story is that we patiently sit with them until they unpack it. Our task is to point them to God's story and not point out their sin. Because when their story is caught up within God's story, as I said earlier, the sin's going to become exposed. So whose story do you need to hear over dinner, over coffee, over a beer, over golf, before you need to point out their sin? This is the place at Generations Church where we can confidently say, we don't care what baggage you brought in this morning. We want to sit with you and get to know you and your story because your story matters. Because you matter to God. And you are not alone and you are not forgotten. So whose story do you need to listen to? Whose story do you need to hear? Maybe it's someone in this room. Maybe it's someone that you've not seen for a while because they've been watching online. It's not to give a disclaimer, but to say, I want to hear from you. And this happens by you sharing your story and allowing them to see what's in your bag and what's inside of it. So when did you go from death to life? And I would encourage you, if you have never written down your story and gone back and put some milestones when you took a step, and again, it doesn't have to be perfect. doesn't mean you had to have all the answers. But when you took steps in your story, if you've not taken a moment to write that down, I would encourage you this week to do that. We've got some resources that we're going to put out on our website and on social media to help you articulate your story. Because people want to hear your story. And as they hear your story, you're going to hear theirs. And there in the midst of the exchange of stories, God's got the power to show up. Because you are there. And here's the beautiful thing, is you don't have to do this alone. That's why we have community groups. And we've, we've got, I've met point oh this way online and in the room, because we've got some signups where we're saying we want to do life together. Where you can share the stories, where, where we can share how God's story affects our lives into the lives of others. And so we encourage you, to get online, to, to join a community group so you don't have to do this alone because it's all about cultivating relationships that share how God shapes our identity, our past, and our future and how the self-created one never lives up. And so as you consider, if you should join a community group or write down your own story, as you think through how, how, to, how to bring your story, how to, how to bring God's story into everyday life, know that we are here to help you. We need to do it in community. And above all else, we need Jesus. You need Jesus. All of us do. Because Jesus is better than any strategy. He's more faithful than your promises. He is able to bring real, lasting, heart-level change. 
He's the greatest missionary ever. Jesus is better. He's better than you. He's better than your pastor. He's better than anyone or anything else because his story overcame our sin. And today, if you want to step into that story, you have a gen card on your table. We want you to respond to Jesus and let us know that you are ready to step into that story. Send us a message online. Because God's story overcomes your sin. And so this week, choose story over sin. Let's pray. God, you are good. You love us. You have not forgotten about us. And you proved it to us in Jesus. You're working this big old story together. And we can say with confidence that you want to use us to do good works. Because you've proven it over and over again. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love and his grace and his great kindness.